Welcome to the Dead Level Podcast. This week, healthcare, <laughs> Twitter, it's going down in flames. And we have opinions about it. And then we're going to talk about healthcare and also being a content creator and probably some other stuff and maybe a little bit of Dungeons and Dragons despite our best effort to not talk about what is arguably the world's greatest role-playing game according to the people that created it. This is the Dead Level Podcast. Let's go. <laughs> Shit, what are we talking about today? We're talking about... Twitter 2.0. Okay, so for anyone listening, obviously, if you know us from our other jobs, know us as content creators of different varieties. Two of us here are YouTubers, and then there's me, and I wear wigs and take pretty pictures. But something that's important to all of us, essentially, from a marketing standpoint, and has been for a very long time, is Twitter. And as many people know, Elon Musk has purchased Twitter, which started Who's Elon as a Musk? joke. He's this muskrat who lives <laughs> in a crystal palace somewhere and likes to stare at Mars, apparently. Mm. And I think he's distantly related to Tesla. I'm not sure. And flings cars into space. Oh, yeah, that's right. That yeah. happened, didn't it? Yeah. So Twitter has just been... It's always been a rough place to be if you don't heavily moderate your feed and curate what you can see. But that's any part of the internet. But last night, it was the news broke that it was originally leaked by by Twitter or by someone on Twitter. Sorry, that Musk sent an email at midnight to all remaining Twitter employees after he's already fired like the majority of the leadership there, essentially half of the staff that was already working there, and it's not. Honestly, not, not that big of a tech company to begin with when you compare it to other ones out there. Relative to size, yeah, Twitter's yeah. actually fairly small. And so here's what it says, allegedly. Now, I'm not looking at the actual email. This is coming from a news article from TheVerge.com. I will link it in the descriptions of all of the places that this gets posted. And here's what it says. Going forward, to build a breakthrough Twitter 2.0 and succeed in an increasingly competitive world, we will need to be extremely hardcore. This will mean working long hours at high intensity. Only exceptional performance will constitute a passing grade. Twitter will also be much more engineering driven. Design and product management will still be important and report to me, but those writing great code will constitute the majority of our team and have the greatest sway. At its heart, Twitter is a software and servers company. So I think this makes sense. If you are sure that you want to be a part of the new Twitter, please click yes on the link below. Anyone who has not done so by 5 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow, which would be today as of the recording of this podcast, will receive three months severance. Whether whatever decision you make that sorry, whatever decision you make, thank you for your efforts to make Twitter successful, Elon. So sounds like he's trying to set people up to quote unquote quit their jobs rather than be fired. Yeah. So this way he's not firing people. He's they're voluntarily quitting and therefore unable. To, and if you're not in the U.S., if you voluntarily quit, it is very hard to gain unemployment. So yeah. instead of just getting laid off and getting your unemployment, if he forces you out and you decide to leave on your own. Oh, boy. He can deny you unemployment. Also, um, like this wow. is just feels like it's setting him up. So six months from now when we get leaks about the inevitable hellish working conditions at Twitter, he can mm -hmm. say, I mean, I told them that it was going to be bad. 
And it's like, okay, so you're working a job that you already have been working at for some time and your boss says to you, hey, it's going to get a lot worse so you can quit now or you can have your human rights violated, which would you prefer? And it's like, I don't know. Do I want to work another day in the orphan crushing machine or do I want to fucking not have a job? What, those are your choices. I just think that's a huge bummer. Yeah, and for many people, this is their main source of communication when, say, a disaster happens or when journalists need to get out important information and don't want to go through a news source that has an owner attached to it. So not only are we seeing just this website that has been an integral part of the news cycle deteriorate, but we're watching in real time as many people are losing their jobs. Not just straight up deteriorate, it, it's break, it's burning down every bridge it possibly could while it's on the way out. This is, it's not even just like a quiet, like shuffling off into the night. This thing is like kicking and screaming and tearing down the market alongside it. The Ellie Lilly thing, or uh, Eli Lilly, that was one of the most insane, what do you want to call it, vigilante, anti-capitalist-like movements I think we've ever seen in history. Someone spends four bucks to cause a company to lose $6 billion in its appreciation? Or like, it's it was just its stock price, I think. Their stock price plummeted over, like, overnight. And minor correction, they spent eight bucks to do it. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, wait, how much did I say? Four. Yeah. Yeah, oh, four, I'm sorry, eight bucks. Wow, I don't know where I got four from. Yeah, no, it spent eight bucks to do this. And I'm like, boy, that is like the best return on investment I think that will ever <laughs> go down in history. Yeah. What? Truly wild. The whole verified checkmark fiasco has led to some of the most unprecedentedly ridiculous and comedic things I've seen on the internet in a very, very long time. It's wild when you see a long tweet from the president of the fucking United States of America that says the elections went this way. This is the first time in history that a sitting Democratic president has lost this few seats in Congress or whatever and is going on. And you're like, OK. And then the next tweet directly above that is another tweet from a profile that looks at a glance exactly <laughs> the same of the president of the United States of America saying, I've got lotion on my dick right now. There's literally <laughs> lotion on my dick. And it's obviously you, you assume that's not real, but then you click on it and you have to take the three or four steps to check. Okay, yeah, this person paid for it, whatever. Mm -hmm. Then when you see that account has a hundred thousand subscribers, it's oh fucking what is happening? It's it's it, when you and then that brings us back to the Eli Lilly thing where you have someone who makes a tweet that says, I guess for those who aren't aware, someone made an Eli Lilly parody account, which was just a mock-up of their account and said Eli Lilly is a pharmaceutical company. And they made a tweet that said insulin is now free, which caused a bunch of people to freak out. And that affected their stock price. And that is the world we live in. And I think that is wacky. It's so wild that a fucking blue check mark just making it so you could pay $8 to have that now has caused so much chaos. It's like the butterfly effect thing where you see the first domino is Elon Musk buys PayPal and it leads up to Eli Lilly loses $4 billion in stock or whatever. I, I don't remember the exact number, but point is they lost a lot of money over yeah. a tweet, which is wacky. Yeah. Also shouts out healthcare should just be free. We were at the hospital the other day for something like pretty minor. Um, but mm -hmm. as we're walking out, Mallory, who's in the process of becoming a Canadian citizen, was like, oh, where do we have to go pay? I was like, 
we we don't go pay we go home <laughs> like we pay taxes <laughs> that's like, for the okay. americans that's definitely been the biggest culture shock if you want to call it that is the canadian healthcare system because on the one hand like it's people talk about this as a way of dunking on america which i think is fucked but it's not all sunshine and rainbows like if you go to a canadian hospital for healthcare, mm-hmm. you're gonna wait longer than you normally would like that's a couple hours of your day not like 20 minutes sure. like you're gonna wait a little bit longer and the actual building itself isn't gonna be as new but at the end of the day you don't go bankrupt if you break your arm so you know it's right. i think that's a fair trade-off will, and also I'm... people talk about it like it's free sorry just to finish this one point oh, it's yeah, not good. free you pay we pay more taxes but i would still take that deal any day of the week I, I would 100%, especially right now, as I'm transitioning over into doing content creation full time. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty. I've even thought sometimes about applying for a job just to get healthcare. And I'm like, guys, I, I can do this. Can I work from home and still do the content creator thing? Whatever. Uh, I've got a beefed up computer at home. Is there any reason why I need to even come into the office? just to get healthcare insurance and like yeah. we can get it through like our state if we want to it's similar kind of yeah uh, it, it doesn't really always cover everything it definitely won't cover dental insurance which is the weirdest thing to me yeah. why is your mouth separate from the rest of your whole <laughs> ass body it's all fucking connected that's true in canada as well is yeah. universal health care does not cover dental really um, i didn't yeah, know yeah that. that's that's something a lot of people don't know and the that's so in america it's like the conservative and liberal sides of the spectrum are fighting over like whether universal health care should exist in canada they have that same argument but it's whether dental coverage should be part of our universal health care we, we should be at that point having that argument in america by now it's so <laughs> So funny though because anytime you see someone arguing in favor of including dental it's it's exactly what you just said Sarah it's okay so teeth are what bones that are in your head like yeah, why rocks, yeah why is that <laughs> why are the mouth rocks separate like why is that different and I, the answer is fucking I don't know no one has a real answer to that question it just is someone decided that i'm pretty sure that was like the compromise made back in the day when i can't remember which year it was it was a long time ago when canada adopted universal health care which i'm pretty sure was put in by a conservative prime minister and uh, that was part of the like agreement was that they would mm-hmm. concede dental it's like, okay interesting too to keep them separate because there's so many things that show up in like the health of your teeth your gums everything within your mouth that are indicators for things going on with the rest of your body yeah so why is this all just not included already that should just be like a part of your basic yearly physical is getting your teeth cleaned (laughs) if i get scurvy i can go to the hospital and they'll be like oh here's medication and a lemon but you're gonna have to figure something out about your teeth that i'll felt like (laughs) you know it's it's wild and for those who are listening the two americans in the room are just laughing out of frustration i will have we don't think we we know this is a very serious topic but trust me i am probably one of the most frustrated americans about this particular issue that you will ever run into because back whenever the fireworks like took out like all this side of my teeth over here and then damaged these over here it was like we get all the way through the procedure where they're like we've rebuilt a lot of your skull we're ready to go in with the so this whole upper maxial area right here was all blown uh-huh. out right mm-hmm. so before they could fix teeth over here they were like we've got to give you a foundation to really work with so that was one of the things that they were working on over here and by the time that had all gone through i was about 26 which means that we had to stop in the middle of 
working on a bunch of procedures because I could no longer be covered under my dad's health insurance. And That's because wild. of that, I still have this entire thing over here is a surgical guide. They're not real. That's not real fake teeth over there. They're not meant to be long lasting teeth. So I have had this like whatever resin e like surgical guide in my mouth for about five years now. How old were you when you had your accident? By the 22. Way? 22? No, sorry. I was mm -hmm. 21 turning 22 that year. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Imagine being like, oh. In your mm -hmm. face. But like, oh, those like six teeth over there. I don't think we can touch that. <laughs> nope. What do you mean? Yeah. Man, that's so crazy. There's even, that's been like a big incentive where I was like, yeah, I could go and get healthcare in a place and that's great. But then you get healthcare and then like I went to go and try and find... So whenever I was teaching last year, I had dental insurance and then it was like, cool. Now I have to hope that there is an oral surgeon in my network that is willing to look at my like situation and be like, yeah, I will take that on. The, net, so the just, network thing is wild. The network yeah. thing is truly wild. That's something I have no experience with. Okay. That There's a lot of differences between Canada and America just on the political level, which are not obviously apparent, but like we don't have states rights as a concept like right. the vast majority of laws are federally passed anyone who's listening in canada that is familiar with how this works yes i'm excluding quebec from this because quebec just does their own fucking thing and we all just <laughs> let them are they um, the texas of canada <laughs> there's a long there's a long history with quebec and like why a lot of different laws they still operate part of their lawful structure based on like the french civil code and stuff it's there's a long history based in quebec and why any government application you fill out will say answer the following questions is this true yes no yes no whatever and then at the bottom there's always a thing that says residents of quebec and it will ask you like four different questions the exception to what i'm about to say but the vast majority of overarching important stuff is at a federal level like when we legalized marijuana that was a federal thing just a meeting like healthcare right. is all the provincial stuff is more stuff that really only affects the province like driving laws within the province and like city codes and that kind of thing there which isn't to say we don't have any provincial laws but the vast majority of stuff is just handled at a federal level so the fact that like certain huge life-changing things are legal in one state and not four streets over in a different state is a concept that has always blown my mind. I find that very fascinating because it's the United States. I mean, it's in the name. It literally feels like a bunch of united little countries instead of one big country with. Oh, it definitely is. Yeah. Like living in Oklahoma, it's I know that they group a lot of us into like regions where it's like, ah, that's the South. And it's not really it's not. And even here in Oklahoma, it can feel so subdivided because like we, we just had a whole big thing that we found out. What was it like four years ago where suddenly they were like, oh, no, there's actually like we, we discovered this map or something. I can't remember, but they were like contesting this in law. And or contesting this in court and apparently like redrew districts of like Indian reservation land or sorry, Native American reservation land that like cut through a lot of Tulsa. And we were like, oh, wait, so does this mean that all this area that's been developed on like these billions of dollars was actually all developed on like Native American territory? 
so there's been this whole thing about who actually owns this whatever it's like mm -hmm. a whole and once you get into that territory it's no they're really they allow native americans to just do set up their own tribal law there's tribal law programs here in oklahoma it really does get to the point where it's no the federal law does not apply in certain territories and it's like whoa it, it can get real bizarre but oklahoma compared to texas or even arkansas I guess I also have a weird position on that because like here in Tulsa, like Tulsa and Oklahoma City are like two blue havens in the middle of mm -hmm. a super red state. That's how Nashville super was. Super red. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I yeah, would have thought Nashville was like way red. Tennessee is. Yeah. Nashville itself is, was very progressive. Obviously they have, they do have a lot of like red in their leadership structure, but the city citizens of Nashville, like we have major centers of learning in Nashville. The major industry there isn't necessarily the music industry. It's actually hospitals and preparing med students to huh. go into medicine because we, we have all of these great teaching facilities there. Statistically speaking, with more and more higher education, typically you tend to swing more liberal because you're taught right. a lot more critical thinking skills. So you see through political game of fear mongering when people right. are well educated you can still do it it still happens i'm not saying this is the case for everybody with a high education lord knows there are people in my family who are very well educated that believe some really wild things but typically nashville was blue in a red state and there were times where we would go out in other parts of tennessee for like vacation or something where I change the way I dress. Sometimes I'd throw a wig on so like my pink hair was hidden. It just there there were many times where I it felt uncomfortable for me to be in the state that I was in. But in the city, I was fully comfortable. I loved living in Nashville and they tried to pass many laws that would have benefited many people many times, but they always got voted down because of it being a red state. We've always heard like major city areas is where they're going to lean more blue, but like Boy, it's just, it's bizarre how true that trends for America. Yeah, I think a big part of that has to be, has to do with the fact that, like, when you're in an urban center, mm -hmm. exposed to a lot more mm -hmm. types of people. Yeah, for sure. And it's a lot harder to hold certain views when you are exposed to people who that affects directly on a day-to-day -day mm -hmm. cycle. Also, can I just say, I think it's so funny in America the colors assigned how the how red is republican and blue is democrat canada it's reversed oh really i always have to do the like calculation in, in canada our our republican the conservative party is blue what would be like the democratic party the liberals are red but we also have more parties than two we have an orange party the ndp is orange and the people's party is purple and the okay. Bloc quebecois is like turquoise I would, just like like a, a, I would like a magenta party the next election. Can we get some magenta <laughs> on the well, There map? was a party that ran magenta in Canada called the Wine Party, which which ran <laughs> basically it's like the protest vote. Wait, uh, is it red wine or white wine? <laughs> that's a good question. I feel like they would honestly, it's probably a BYOB type situation because also <laughs> in Canada, alcohol is fucking ridiculously expensive. Really? Oh um, gosh, I shouldn't move to Canada then. It's it's interesting because a lot of our laws when it comes to home brewing and stuff tend to be more laxed in a general sense. But at the same time, purchasing alcohol at the store, it this is something that varies a bit from province to province, but it tends to be very expensive. 
because alcohol is like one of the most highly taxed things in Canada. For example, a bottle of wine, I don't know, what's a popular bottle of wine? Like Apothic Red or mm-hmm. Apothic White. Like yeah, yeah, apo- yeah. How much mm-hmm. would a bottle of Apothic cost where you live? Seven bucks. Se- Wait, really? Seven? Yeah, between seven and ten, depending um, on I, I think it's like store. 15 here. Maybe. Oh, really? Oh, come to yeah, Michigan. Like wine price? I want to say? Oh, yeah. Okay, so it's quoting me around 10 bucks here near mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Yeah. So where I live, a bottle of Apothic Red is 24 US or 24 Canadian dollars, which in US, so that's about 18 bucks. Oh, um, yeah, that is more expensive. Which is wild. Now, granted, that's an import. So there's also that element mm-hmm. to it because it's a California wine, I am pretty sure. But even our domestic stuff, like it's just taxed way higher. Alcohol, tobacco, and marijuana are taxed higher than anything else because it's like, it's not a necessity. So oh, we got to get that healthcare money from somewhere. So let's right. fucking get it from I, the winos. Like, I would whatever. like to say, while we're wrapping up this alcohol topic, when you mentioned homebrewing, because mm-hmm. it's you two and the conversations we normally have, I instantly went, what does this have to do with homebrew content? <laughs> no, this is the podcast where we don't talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I know, right. but um, I just thought it was because I had, until you said the word wine after homebrew, my brain was like, wait, what did yeah, I miss? The laws on, What's, <laughs> the laws on homebrew are pretty strict in Canada. Yeah, you're not allowed to make any paladin subclasses. in Canada? What the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's only certain subclasses that are allowed. You have to get a permit to make subclasses for oh, the warlock so and more patrons. Good I, um, Something on that topic, which is wild to me. <laughs> no, we can't talk about D&D. No, not on that topic. On the other okay. topic, the topic of making abusable substances in your own home. Oh, let's talk about <laughs> our love for bathtub gym next. I mean, oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I was talking to a friend the other day uh, in, in Nova Scotia specifically, the I I think it's four. Each person is allowed to have four marijuana plants to their name. So if you live in a house, like Mm -hmm. if Mallory and I were like, oh, we're going to grow marijuana, it might be only two each. It's either two or four, but even assuming it's two. It's the same way in Michigan. Yeah. Two full-size marijuana plants. That's so much fucking weed. So much weed. It's a crazy amount of weed. My neighbor has more than two i don't remember exactly how many we're allowed to have in michigan i think we based our laws off of canadian laws in michigan because they're very similar i remember he grew one of them grew he put he planted it in the ground instead of in a pot and one of them grew very well in the michigan metro detroit climate it was taller than his garage (laughs) by the time he cut it down to take it and dry it out and i was just looking at this thing and i was like and it's just him and his wife next door I was looking at this thing and there's others like there's others in pots that are just scattered about his yard growing not as big but I was looking at and I was like how are you gonna go through that much that's the thing I don't know what the legality is because there is a certain maximum on what you're allowed to like Mm -hmm. have I don't know what it is and I'm not even gonna guess because any number I say would just be a fucking lie there's a certain (laughs) amount where it's if you have more than this like you're probably selling it and therefore that's not kosher so I don't know what that amount is but what's the legality if you have a fucking pallet of weed and you're like oh yeah i grew all of this so am i doing a crime now do you have to get rid of it if you go over a certain amount have i never told you guys have i never told you guys what i did before youtube oh but how you were a drug dealer yeah no so i was a transport manager for a medical marijuana company okay 
It was my job to make sure that all the trucks were going out OMMA compliant and making sure we don't, whenever you're, whenever you've got a producers who essentially you're not super worried about how much is going on a truck. You just, you're more worried about that truck made it to its location. Right? Yeah. So here in Oklahoma, we're allowed to have, and this is a ridiculous thing, six seedling plants, six mature plants. So by the time one, yeah, by the time one of your quote unquote seedlings starts to get full grown, you better start chopping down one of the big ones because you could get, <laughs> but, and it's also odd how like you, if you were to get a grower's license, it's essentially quote unquote limitless. You have to make sure that the stuff is still going out, right? It's not just stuff that you have sitting around. The biggest like amount I have ever seen brought in at one time, we got an, or we got an order in. And the reason why this was brought in this way was simply because we found out that it went bad. There was a truck that was unloaded that had 50,000 pre-rolled joints on it that we had to just go and get like a big meat locker like freezer for. And they were just like putting them in those boxes, sorting them and putting them in there. They had five trash bags that were just full of flour. The flour that got brought in basically had to just get destroyed. It had been sitting in the truck too long or something like that. But they brought in and I mean the mason jars, like big gallon mason jars full of processed, just pure THC that were going for twenty, thirty thousand dollars a mason jar, right? That these are things that we use like a little bit of in making bowls or whatever. We had to throw out over three hundred thousand dollars worth of inventory because we were only allowed to make Delta Nine gummies, and this stuff had been sitting out a little too long. And we didn't realize until it got to the bottom of the jar that it had turned into Delta 8. So it had, it had degraded to where it was no longer like medical quality. Right. And we just had to clean out an entire like deep freezer and a whole bunch of shelves of all these gummies and everything because it was like, we can't legally put it on the shelves anymore. Circling back to Twitter. Yeah. Let's go back oh, to the God, dumpster wow. fire. That's well, where this all came from. I right. guess the topic we haven't discussed when it comes to Twitter, that is where this all came from. Wow, life is beautiful. The topic that we haven't discussed yet is Twitter alternatives and why there aren't any. <laughs> yeah, my personal opinion is that, A, we've already slain this one Twitter dragon. Do we really need to go to another? What if social media dies and then we all just say that's okay? That would be great, except that's my entire job and all of our entire jobs. Right? I, like, uh, I just, I feel like there's got to be another way to do networking that isn't specifically the Twitter format. There is. It's called going to conventions, which I haven't been able to oh, do because of a pandemic. Let's fair. bring back email chain letters. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you will die in seven days if you don't send this chain letter to Yeah, well, imagine people. getting an email where it's, so hey, guys. The first letter of their name is A. Yeah, I th the thing about... Hey, guys, my Kickstarter is coming. Send us a 10,000 of your closest friends or they're all dying in their seat. Anyways, sorry, go ahead. The thing about Twitter and why it was so necessary for people like us in our job, in our niche, is that we all work primarily on very oversaturated platforms. It's very hard when you're growing an audience on a platform that's oversaturated like Twitch and YouTube to be recognized, to be discovered, to show up in someone's recommended feed in any capacity and have them click on your video. Now, I know you two are a little further along in the YouTube sphere than me, but as far as my 
primary like streaming platform and long form content platform that's been Twitch for a long time. And none of my follows come from Twitch. My follows all come from people outside of Twitch coming into Twitch to check out my content. Now, primarily for me, that's going to be Instagram and TikTok. However, of all of the industry people I've made connections with, the majority of them are not on Instagram and TikTok and looking to network through those. Like that is strictly advertising for them. I've met a handful of people that are well-established within the industry from TikTok and Instagram who have reached out to me (laughs) via Twitter DM to do things. And that's why to me, Twitter is so important because Twitter and unfortunately Twitter verification was what told the world that you're a legit person within an industry. And basically that's like the business way of saying, yes, I am who I am. So as we lose that, where as professionals are those people going to be going next? Because I don't see with the issues in TikTok has, I don't see them moving there and suddenly making video content when they've been tweeting for so long. And when you post a text image to Instagram, typically doesn't do well. So where do those connections go if they are going anywhere? Mm. That's where I think our conversation starts to shift to where is everyone seeing people go? Just one thing I have to comment on is you talking about people from Twitter going to TikTok. I'm just picturing Uh like (laughs) some content creators, it makes sense, but I'm just picturing like network CEOs and stuff, (laughs) like standing in front of him. Hello, everyone. This weekend on ABC, check out our new show. <laughs> like, there are okay. there are people that their followers are in like the thirty thousand plus, the hundred thousand right. plus range on Twitter, who have a massive Twitter following, lots of engagement there, who I have seen come over to TikTok, and I find them usually because a name pops up in my feed and it says so and so and i go oh my gosh is this actually and yeah it's that person from twitter that i've admired in the industry for a very long time starting out but they don't translate well to doing video content and doing short form video content which it looks easy but it's really difficult to hold someone's attention on a site like that it's a whole different ball game yeah there was there's a certain level of charisma that comes to just being able to know this is a this is something that I could say in a video and express this point eloquently mm-hmm. and get my idea across or whatever. By the way, everybody listening, that's like, I want to hop into the YouTube game or whatever. It takes time to feel natural in front of a camera and recognize mm-hmm. what speech patterns may or may not cause certain people to continue listening or watching your content. And it's a skill that gets developed over time, for sure. The more you do it, the better you get at it. I'm still to this day recognizing whenever I'm doing my ums or likes or whatever. Translating, because there have been other people that I have talked with that were doing third-party content that tried to also do the YouTube thing. And whenever you're doing that and you have the angle of, this is going to help out my business for me to do this, it always comes across as disingenuine because everything's just a marketing thing, right? If I'm making content, I try really intentionally not to plug my own work in any of like my video stuff because i'm like i've got my shop down there I did that's perfect whatever i don't have to keep plugging classes or what the hell ever if people want to find the work they will 
but I think that there comes a sense of I'm doing the YouTube thing because it would help out. It would help to market the other stuff I'm selling. That feels it, it, if your entire platform just becomes this is a marketing tool, people won't keep watching. Yeah. It, that's why there is you, there is a fine line that you have to walk as a creator when it comes to any platform, and it's. So your social media essentially, and I've talked about this in interviews and stuff too, your social media is essentially when you are creating things for sale, it's a it's an ecosystem similar to Apple. When I think about my content, and for those who are not familiar with me, I create content surrounding actual plays and my characters in those actual plays. And I get a lot of joy personally from cosplaying those characters. So my content on short form sites looks a lot like I am put, I'm doing lip syncing videos, but I am dressed as my character and I'm selecting things that are reminiscent of that character's personality within the actual plays. So people from outside sites, I'm not necessarily selling them the actual play that I'm a part of, but they get intrigued by this character and then they ask, what is this character from? And then I can say, oh, this is for my actual play. If you'd like to check it out, you can find it linked here. Yeah. And that's very much like what you're talking about, where you have to learn to, as a creator, not necessarily, it, it's not like the con, the Twitter plug, because Twitter is very direct. Twitter yeah. is, here is the thing I want you to look at. Here is the link. Go check it out. But when you go into any other form of media, people want that warm feeling of knowing you, of who you are as yeah. a person, who you are as a creator. And so you have to be able to present yourself and your content in all of its various forms in a way that it feeds back into one another and it feels very organic. And I'd like to think that I'm doing a decent job at that, but it's definitely, it, it's its own art form, honestly, after becoming comfortable on camera, which is yeah. again, its own hurdle, yeah. like you said. Definitely. I, uh, I guess really when it comes to all the Twitter stuff, I'm seeing people talk about, people talk about Mastodon, people mm -hmm. talking about going to tumblr because porn is back baby or people <laughs> talking about i don't know making a big facebook dm like people are talking mm -hmm. about all these other things but there really isn't another platform right now that does the same thing twitter does like you said yeah mm -hmm. and there's nothing that's the equivalent i mastodon for me has been close yeah. mastodon i have engaged with people faster who are established people in the twitter sphere i've gained some mutual followings there i don't know if they'll stick or if people are just trying to do like the follow for follow vibe right now over there but i am on i think my server is called dice.camp i think and so it's primarily ttrpg folks but it's a whole different mindset because over there's no algorithm so yeah. you rely solely on people re basically to use something that I hope most people will understand, basically reblogging your post in order for their followers to find it. And then it this cascade effect. So you can, and then you can also follow hashtags over there. So hashtagging your stuff becomes super important and you want as many as you can over on Mastodon. Whereas on Twitter, a lot of hashtagging was kind of oh, cringe. Aw. Yeah. But when you go to mass, it's different. And same with Tumblr, because I did join Tumblr. It's the same thing you're going into following feed and i don't they don't really have a i don't think they have a an algorithm from what i've gleaned from my research so like far tumblr? yeah tumblr does have an algorithm as far as what it recommends to you but mm -hmm. it's always going to show you stuff from people you actually follow first and i think the hashtags you follow come into play as well because you yeah. can follow hashtags there as well so over there it's like you're spamming every single hashtag again that right. you possibly can 
Um, and it's just, it's going to be a big learning curve for a lot of people who got really comfortable over on Twitter. And it's going to be interesting to see where everyone ends up, honestly. What is like the, I'm just saying, what is your perfect social media look like? Your perfect social media site? Because to me, I think Twitter is about as far removed from it as possible. But I think that Twitter was in some ways serving the purpose of what it was intended to do better than any social media site. I think potentially something like YouTube, oh. but something, but for, cause I see, I can see in the future, looking at what YouTube is currently trying to do, what they're competing with. If they can just work out how to let people opt into just short form content, just long form content, both just text posts. Like there was a more curated way that you could decide what you want to see in your recommended feed there. I think that they stand a really good chance of being the place to go because they're working and interconnecting all those things, including live streaming now. But the problem is that people who want long form content, the majority of them don't want the short form content. And the people who want the short form content don't want necessarily the long form content, which I could go on and on about looking at it from the algorithm perspective and the right. ecosystem perspective about how the two are supposed to work together. But that's a different topic. So I think potentially because you also have the option to do posts there, if there was a way to conveniently look at all of those feeds either separately or curate which parts of those feeds you want, even from down to an individual creator perspective, if you only want my shorts content, and you don't want any of my long form content, if there was a check mark that you could put on my profile next to shorts and just uncheck the other options there, that might that might be usable. The thing that would help out YouTube, I think right now specifically is going to be better filter systems like what you're talking about. I know that they're trying to go in the manner of making it a more quote unquote social media experience mm -hmm. where like channels are, are moving over to handles now. Yeah. And they're unlocking things that used to previously only be allowed for partners through one. Used to be beforehand, in order for you to live stream on YouTube, you had to be a partner. And now it's, oh, no, everybody can do it. And I'm like, mm -hmm. cool, yeah. open that up. Do the yeah. thing that Twitch did. It seems like YouTube is competing with literally everyone. That's the thing that I will say I admire YouTube for. They're competing with just about everyone, but they're doing just about everything that everyone else is doing in some ways better you know we get frustrated with youtube because they are so slow to roll things out that's one of my biggest great it took them forever to get on live streaming it takes them forever to give us new features as creators that we ask for in some cases years but i think their vantage point is that when they do roll things out it's because they have taken the time to test it and they're not using us as guinea pigs there because they've watched the other platforms that are doing that one niche thing to see what's working and what's not. Yeah. And right. I, th I think that is the strength of YouTube in what gives them a bit more staying power. Because honestly, I can't imagine YouTube going away in the next five years, in the next 10 years. Oh, no. But TikTok, yeah. I could see that being gone tomorrow. I could see my entire, the main basis of my platform, I could see that being gone tomorrow. Yeah. But YouTube? Because they were talking about regulations and banning TikTok not super mm -hmm. long ago. Yeah. Just the overall paranoia that's been shaped. I say paranoia. Skepticism is what I'll go with around TikTok in the way that it was founded and whatever. The stuff going on with Twitter right now 
I think looking at how Twitter's falling apart, TikTok is doing its thing. Reddit has been hostile towards anybody not already like in the know with all the other. Reddit is just hostile towards everyone. That is Reddit's thing. <laughs> My thing is because like my answer to the question earlier of what would be my perfect social media is honestly Reddit does things in a way that I'm like, God, that is so close to perfect. But it's the anonymity and the like just absolute burner hive mind approach to everybody's going to bandwagon something. There are plenty of people in the Dungeons and Dragons scene who have gotten a lot of su success off of Reddit. And I say a lot of people. No, there's about two people I can point to that I'm like, they got successful because of Reddit. Like, no, three. Monkey DM, Griffin's Saddlebag, and Kibble's Tasty have gotten pretty successful off of posting. I stuff love on Griffin's Reddit. Saddlebag. Did they start on Reddit? Yeah. Was that their? Oh wow, I didn't know that. I love their stuff. They started on Reddit and then started working with. Is it Hit Point Press? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So they got big off of Reddit, but like whenever you're really trying to think about okay, community growth wise, how many people grew up in other environments? It's okay of the tens of thousands of people posting on D&D subreddits, three people made a living off of it. Like what? Every That's time not... I've ever posted on Reddit, at least one person tells me to kill myself. Oh, like yeah, Reddit no, literally is so hostile. I have had so yeah. every, I shouldn't say every, the worst interactions I've had with viewers or just people on the internet surrounding my content has always been from Reddit. Don't even really engage with it anymore when people are just being shitty. But like people on Reddit have told me that I would never succeed and that my channel was garbage and I should just stop doing what I was doing. And I was like, you know what? No. And then I just kept <laughs> doing it. And that is what it is. And it's fine. There are some subreddits. The smaller subreddits tend to be a lot. I usually post my stuff to the D&D Monsters subreddit and have some really good conversations with people there. And now that my channel is a little bit bigger not every post I make gets immediately downvoted into the fucking void for daring to post something that I made because that's the Reddit MO, right? Is if someone posts something that they found on the internet. Yes. And like, oh, that's cool. But if you're the one who made it, like, oh, you should die in a garbage fire. It's you like cannot self-promote. You cannot self-promote. So I hadn't read it for two days. So what I'm hearing, and in two days, it, it went south real quick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but from what I'm hearing is that <laughs> I should just send one of y'all the highlight of the week for like my TikTok or Instagram and have one of y'all post it is what I'm this hearing is, and I not mean, do it myself. Yes, that is okay. technically against terms of service, but also like how the fuck can they enforce that or even know that's true. But like literally jokes aside, that's mm -hmm. why I say found because mm -hmm. that's what people do. People yep. will make dummy accounts that are in no way linked to their account to do that. A telltale sign is if you see a link to a YouTube video and the account has 10 comment karma or something like that, or they will just send it to one of their friends. Okay, can you post this on the D&D main subreddit? Funnily enough, the most upvoted one of my videos ever got on the main D&D subreddit was from a viewer who posted my video there. And it was the same video that I had posted there a week before, which got yep. downvoted instantly. And it got like 200 upvotes. And I was like, oh. I'm the problem. Here's here's what my experience was with Reddit was. So I joined for, it wasn't two days. It was maybe like two weeks. And so I joined for like two weeks because I heard others talking about the D&D community on Reddit and how there was a lot of activity there and how you should go, uh -oh. how you should go. And you, if you're making stuff, you should be posting it there. Oh, my sweet summer child. <laughs> I know, right? And I was already scared of Reddit. So I already knew I was probably in for a bad time, but I started posting over there and i make cheeky little 
TikToks and Instagram reels. Like I am just here to put elf ears on and make you laugh, basically. Either that or I'm putting vampire fangs on and I'm making you say, oh, mommy, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but there, there's two modes when it comes to my posts. So I started posting my VTM and my D&D content on there. I got just onslaughts of people. The most common one was, first of all, cringe, which if that's your best insult, go get a goddamn thesaurus, please find something more interesting than cringe because I am so bored with your insult. It does not affect me anymore. And secondly, the, se the second most common one was it was like, oh, makeup does not obviously doesn't indicate personality. I'm trying right. to wrap my head around that one. Yeah. It's how you look good, but I bet you're, you suck. It's like, you got me. Excuse me for you thinking that in the eight second video that you just watched. Maybe, I don't know, go check out my YouTube channel. Go check out my Instagram. Go check out my Twitter where I tweet about the nerdy things in my life. Right. Um, the thing that cracks me up about that is imagine you're, I don't know, not even at a con, but you're like on a city street outside of a con and someone walks by in a costume and you were just, mm -hmm. you wouldn't go cringe. <laughs> like a person cringe <laughs> makeup is bad and you're like hello you, you just, that's just not how human beings interact which i guess <laughs> right. is my biggest problem with the internet overall yeah because especially behind that mask of anonymity and this isn't like an original thought it's just true is that i don't think it necessarily makes people meaner i think it makes it easier for people to be mean so people yeah. who just yeah. want to be mean can do it and there's almost no repercussions like in society in a fucking society in which we live if you're at a party and someone's fucking your makeup sucks cringe like everyone in the room be like why are you like this no we don't want to hang out with you that's a you're just bad you're not good <laughs> but like on the internet mm -hmm. you can do that because there's that that wall of separation and it always oh. comes from a private account too it always comes from a private account with no profile photo it's weird because my at least my experience with it is like I've gotten to know some of these names on Reddit personally. Guess I would say at this point I'm one of the bigger, if not the biggest, YouTube channel on specifically D and D game design. Well, I'm, sending like, you my, my, I'm sending you my links to post on Reddit then. Yeah, so I'm, at least there's people that I've met that are like hardcore into discussing the rules on Reddit that have gotten big off of there, right? And my Discord community, Kibble's Tasty, is over there, right? The Arena guy. Some of these guys are like really big on Reddit. Over time, it's like. I, because I was ingrained in those groups, there were ways that I heard about like people trying to monetize being a moderator in one of those groups to like benefit. Yeah, oh, oh, this is, there was a whole political thing that went down with the R on Earth Arcana subreddit. Gosh, I, wish, I wish listeners could hear see my face right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> you talk about the nerdiest drama that could ever fucking drama. Yeah, a bunch of moderators self-promoting their own work and using one of the biggest homebrew like discords to be like, yeah, I wrote the better thing for the fake internet points. It was it's, me. Yeah. <laughs> an all-out war blowing up over this shit. It, it was like, oh my right. God. But the reason why this is so bad and so toxic is because you have moderators that are encouraging things like going into the new posts of creators that are whatever. And it doesn't matter how good the quality of your work is, a moderator will over-moderate to the point of just deleting it before anyone gets a chance to see it. It happened this, to me a few times. This is not a thing that's yeah. like a tinfoil hat conspiracy theory thing. This is happening in the D&D subreddits. So it's not, oh, Taryn's upset about one post over there. Mm -hmm. This is every content creator I know. 
bring back to my experience, it, there were some posts that I would make and they wouldn't, and they would just instantly delete it yep. and not allow me to post at all. And I was like, the hell, like I'm a D&D person yeah. too. But I'll tell you, y'all want to hear what my final straw was with Reddit and why I finally mm. just nixed it. Someone took one of my posts and put it on like a B rating porn site. <laughs> oh no yeah what? And, and i got pissed because one anyone who went and paid the fee to be a part of that site you owe me 8.99 that content <laughs> two it wasn't even one of my spicy ones they picked like a wholesome one it was <laughs> at least put me on there with a spicy one come on i look good in some of my posts that's okay? even like... funnier to me because like, i'm just picturing one of your like fucking normal ass wholesome tiktoks and you're like oh yeah <laughs> fucking throw that on the porn website there were other options i was dressed as my warlock lucy and her costume is like her costume like she has this nice overcoat like this night like there is no, very little skin showing on her costume compared to the one behind you on the to, i guess house left are you googling it no and <laughs> oh, i'm literally right. looking at no, your way. Is, it's right there <laughs> no this costume sorry for those listening at home there is a costume that is currently on a mannequin stand that is my <laughs> yeah, druid lowry moon you're like <laughs> no this is on display because this is the first costume that i ever sewed myself for one of my Very character cool. cosplays but no lucy used to be on that just because i love her coat so much but yeah yeah no it's my longest running character which i mean great i'm glad you like it but i have done some vtm content for those who don't know the lingo vampire the masquerade that is very spicy and i mean very vampire suggestive, the masquerade and you, and you didn't pick that by default what the fuck? is very spicy that's it's just presumed like there, i have never met a vampire the masquerade player who was not hot you know Full what stop. now that you mention it Full yeah stop. They're all hotties. They're all hottie Bugattis. I'm sorry. There's not a single one under a seven. And I say this as a Vampire the Masquerade player. But yeah, no, I personally, when it comes to Reddit, I actually really enjoy Reddit. I like using Reddit for its intended purpose, I guess yeah. you could argue. Mm -hmm. Using Reddit for the community aspects of it. And I've had some really good chats with people on D&D, but you have to go into it with the understanding that like it's the best and worst of humanity. Yeah. So I try not to let it color my perspective too much on the website when I have a negative interaction, but I don't view, I'll put it this way. I don't view Reddit as a tool when it comes to like, getting my content out there in front of more people. I do still post because there are some communities that I like posting in and that always give me good feedback and stuff, but I more just view it as truly a social media thing, I guess, is really what it is. Yeah. Just, oh, it's a funny meme. And they're very hostile towards any YouTubers, especially in the D&D sphere. I don't know about maybe other communities, but I know especially like the fact that I did the, uh, so I, I, I did the video I dropped last week about the leak that I got. Now, I have getting, I've gotten hit up by a bunch of people trying to get whatever info on this. Reddit was the first place I went to where people were just straight up, this is some other clickbaity mother, hey, whatever. And I'm like, all right, like you guys clearly don't understand how like industry news works, apparently. Also, if you were going to clickbait it, that video would be over 10 minutes long because spoiler for the folks at home on a two and a half minute video, you make zero dollars. <laughs> yeah, I'll be totally transparent on that. Yeah, I made 20 bucks off of it, but it's like that's you, you know, shill. Yeah, hack fraud. <laughs> I'm like, that's great. my entire TikTok income from last month. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm like, they're like, you're trying to clickbait it. And I'm like, no, there's way more ways I could have clickbaited that thing. If you were going to clickbait it, you'd be like, all right, guys, listen, I've got some big news for you. But first, a word from our sponsor, Loot Crate. And then you would have a two minute segment about that. And you'd be like, all right, guys, so back to the news. One thing we do need to talk about, though, and then you would give like a history of Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons yeah. is a role playing game. And there's something called the OGL. And it would be a 20 minute video. And then the content of the video you uploaded would be the last two minutes of it. Yeah. No, I, it was me genuinely concerned and trying to put pressure on Wizards of the Coast to release Guys, a statement. It was literally, you'd be like, please don't. Yeah. <laughs> I was um, like, yeah, that's the video. Yeah. I, I'm like, oh it is God. very brief. I tried to be as tasteful with it as I possibly could. I guess the one thing that I could say that I was like, ah, I could have done that differently. I could have just not monetized it, which, like, whatever. I don't know. I'm like, 30 no it's like 10 second ad before the video i don't know i got out of video every week last week but or sorry every day last week like that's the one thing i think i, I could have done that maybe would have made people a little bit less negative about it but they were going to be negative about it either way but especially over on reddit there's just like an assumption that if it's a youtuber they're lying to you i remember six months ago not even that far long ago whenever D shorts was getting all the hate over on reddit and it was like, dude, those of us that actually knew Will, it was like, dude, that is super unjustified. Like, Dude, when Will was getting all that hate, I was baffled because the reason people hate Will is because they're like, oh, for those who don't know, Will D&D shorts, stand up guy. He was in the last video I uploaded. Anyway, he does a lot of content that's like, here's a wild combo you can do in D&D by using this spell and this spell. And that's definitely not how these spells are intended to be used. But isn't that silly? And people are like, you're ruining the game, William. Yeah. Like, it's wild. People get so upset about these, like, silly little, here's a weird combo you can do. It's like, That's so anti-DM. That would ruin the fun for everyone at the table. Also, you have to be level 17, idiot. He's, yeah, I know. The whole point of it is it's a thought <laughs> exercise. Isn't it weird that you can permanently make yourself into a gold dragon? He's not, like, suggesting, okay, gang here's how you win Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> it's all presented in a very silly, lighthearted way. Like, oh, that's wacky. And people are like, you're yeah. fucking killing my childhood. And it's okay. Oh, I've been told relax. regularly that I ruined D&D for people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you dressing up in a costume, playing a character is ruining it yeah. for their kitchen table <laughs> game yeah, no, somehow. I, I did a, I did a cheeky, this was a while ago. This was, and this was like still like, mid heavy depression for me in the pandemic i did a short tiktok slash reel and it was what's the worst feat in DD?" and then it zooms into my face and i go and why is it chef because me personally i think the chef feat is stupid chef is bad and there's many ways that you can get the benefits of that feat differently in the game or you could just say yolo do whatever you want just have here have cooks tools if you want to be a chef and i had just it was one of those times where i had to reach out to a friend and just be like can you just can you just check my notifications before I open the app? <laughs> yeah. Because it was at that time where I was in the weird in between on my with my following there that I was growing exponentially. So a lot of new eyes were seeing me, but I also had I had a fairly solid following. I think this was maybe when I was at like 30,000 followers, which I would personally equate to the to having 3,000 followers probably on YouTube. Yeah just because on TikTok it's so just random about who gets to see your stuff and who doesn't it, but i was getting a lot of new eyes quote unquote showing up and looking at my stuff and just making the snap judgment about like how awful i am and i must be part of this 
we're going to use the word that upsets a lot of people, woke. D, which, yeah, sure. I probably fit that de definition pretty well. I'm a queer kid from Metro Detroit and I'm going to, I'm going to shoot for, I'm going to aim for progress with everything that I do. <laughs> but as far as that video went, like I got so many people telling me that I would never have you at my table. You would never be invited to, someone like you would never be invited to my table. You're the worst thing that's ever happened to D&D. &D. And I was just like, what makes you think? that I want to play with any of you people anyway. Yeah, it does actually, now that we're on this topic, we were at playing D&D last weekend and one of my players did do something really shitty and was like, I saw it on a Sarah TikTok and I was like, wow, she's ruining D&D &D, guys. They were right. All the comments are like, it's so crazy to me that people think a content creator is somehow ruining their game. Like how the fuck does you making fun videos have anything to do with what's happening at someone's table. I've never once had someone bring up a content creator at my game. Like they said this. It's definitely, there's a paranoia happening and I get it in some cases. If you have a YouTube influencer that is saying to you in a video, you can do this in the game. Here's how X, Y, Z thing. And then you go and try and do that in a game. And then the DM is, wait, no, dude, that's not how that works. And then it starts, it creates this tension. That's not really, I would say, like a reasonable way to be making content, right? It depends on the way that you are creating that content and how you're using the influence that I would say makes you more or less blameless. True. There is an element of that, you're right, of people who actively promote like potentially unhealthy viewpoints about the game. But at yeah. the same time, like that falls to the DM to be like, that's not how that works. And there might be tension there, but at the same time, there shouldn't be. Like if I'm playing right. D at someone's table mm -hmm. and I say, I want to do a coffee warlock and they say, actually, I don't allow that at my table because that's not really how that's supposed to work. Oh my God, we're talking about D&D &D again. Oh and shit. <laughs> it always fucking circles back to this, but that I'm not going to be like upset with them. Okay. For figured it was worth a shot. And then either if I'm upset enough that it's going to cause like tension, I probably don't want to be playing with that person to begin with, but the correct response to that is okay. I'll do a different thing it's silly yeah because i get this answer or i get this concern constantly whenever oh. actually working on an article for fluid salute right now on addressing concerns about homebrew content at your tables where i'm just going through and not really quote unquote refuting but i'm responding to certain concerns that he's had voice to him and the more and more i've gone through this the more i'm like like at the end of the day i can build up all these different arguments against it but you're going to have a bias one way or the other I could, I, until somebody sees something that they're like, that is so cool. That has convinced me to allow it at my table that until they hit that point, they're going to be stubborn. It's the thing I've learned really is like, until they realize that there's not a way for them to do a certain thing they want to do in this game, they're there's going to be a hurdle there like but off of dnd i feel like this is a good spot to wrap this up yeah i've been recording for a while have i have to bring my car to the mechanic and they close in 40 <laughs> oh, minutes crap. okay they live very close by so i'm not stressed about it but uh, well, yeah i think before we super super wrap this one up real quick i guess since we are wrapping it up on dnd next week we have our first special guest with us sensei suplex for those of you who aren't aware sensei suplex is running one of the most interesting and massive TTRPG experiences I think I have ever heard of. Um, doing basically making a TTRPG that is he's running a DD game like it's an MMO. It's a thing called Project Aurora that you guys can go check out over on Twitch, over in his Discord, where it is quite literally multiple DMs 
collaborating to tell an MMO-like experience in this world that he's built up. So I thought it would be really cool to have him on and talk about like just the, what's required to like run something like that, since just keeping one table together is always hard enough for all of us. Mm. But yeah, that, next week we'll have Sensei Suplex on board. Hell yeah. Be there or be square or just Both. be square and also be there. That's fine. That's a yeah. shape. Pick a shape and be <laughs> present. We will see you all next week. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, if you can like, comment, subscribe, do the review thing, give the stars, give the, I don't, whatever you're listening to on your platform of choice, things really help us in the algorithm if you give us feedback. And we just really like to see it. So mail me $5. Don't do that. Don't mail Josiah $5. Seriously. My addresses. <laughs> <laughs> we will see you all next time. In the meantime, just keep being awesome and have a good week. Bye, everybody. Bye. See you.